Today's scripture reading is from Matthew um, chapter 6, verses 5 to 13. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. O Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. The word of the Lord. Well, I'm going to invite us to stand for just a moment as we pray and we're going to look at the word this morning. Holy Spirit wants to teach us the truth this morning that comes out of the Lord's Prayer. And let's just ask that our hearts and our minds would be attentive to him today. Lord, thank you that we have the privilege to be here this morning. We are so grateful for the word that you've given to us, the word of God. And uh, Lord, today we just want to open our hearts to what you have to say. We ask, Holy Spirit, that we would be sensitive to you today. We pray that uh, we'll all be hidden behind the cross, Lord Jesus, and that you will be first and preeminent in our lives. And I pray that in these moments now, we'll just prepare our hearts to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. We've come to uh, the last message in a rather short series on the subject of prayer. And we've contemplated uh, three prayers, the prayer of intercession, the prayer of relinquishment, uh, the prayer of tears last week, and this morning, the prayer of petition. Marg had some uh, of the Christmas music floating through the home this week, and I thought, really, already? This is, is this not a little bit early? But it is, as Colleen reminded us, it is the first Sunday of Advent. And some of the old Christmas songs remind us that there's no place like home at Christmas. And I want to remind you this morning that God has a home uh, here on earth for each of us to live in. And maybe we don't think a lot about the housing for our souls. We certainly create elaborate houses for our bodies. But our souls may be relegated to some old shack with no insulation where the cold winds blow in and the rain comes through and soaks us. And we're not too sure about that home. But there is a place where we can experience God's home in our hearts. And God allows us to move in out of the cold and live with him. And he sets a place at his table for us to eat with him and just to be with him. In fact, God wants to share his home with us. And why does he want to do that? Well, because he's our father. Don't you see? He's our Father. In fact, uh, God wants to be your dwelling place. His home is not a getaway place where you visit once a year. Great place to retreat. Oh no, His home is where you live every day. 
and he always invites you to be there. He wants you to be he wants to be your mail address. He wants to be your telephone number, he wants to be your email, he wants to be your website, he wants to be your point of reference. He wants to be the place where you live. So here's what Jesus said, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home uh, we will make our home with each of them. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. He wants us to know that we can live out the rest of our days and never be far from home, regardless of your routine, whether you'll be in school tomorrow morning or whether you'll be framing houses or whether you will be uh, in the office. You're only a decision away from the presence of your father, your home. In fact, you don't ever need to leave the place of God the home of God in your life. You don't need to change your postal code or your community. All you need to do is change your perception. And when the traffic is backed up on the white mud, you can step into God's home in your heart and say, God, but I can still worship you. And when the gust of temptation comes your way, you can move behind the wall of courage and be strengthened. And when your family or colleagues or your employees get down on you, you can take a seat next to the Father and find his grace anew. One of the best descriptors of the home that God provides is the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, and we refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. It's a prayer that our Lord taught his disciples. It is probably more appropriately called the Disciples' Prayer because it is the prayer that we pray to the Father. And Jesus said, this is how you pray. And so we're going to look at that prayer for a little bit this morning, but just before we do that, let me remind us of the, the, the difference between petition and intercession. When our prayers are focused on ourselves and our own receiving, it's called petition. But when we're praying for others, when we're supporting others in prayer, it's called intercession. It's possible we may decide in our minds that there's a bit of ranking to prayer. And if we're praying for ourselves, it must rank lower than if we're praying for others. Uh, it must rank lower than the prayer of adoration and praise. Um, I, I hope we won't see it that way. Uh, naturally, uh, we see praise and adoration as focus upon our great God. But praying for our own needs is not something we should count as unspiritual. Rather, it's precisely how our Lord wanted us to pray. And part of the disciples' prayer, quite a significant part, is about asking. It's mainly petitionary. He urged his disciples to ask and to seek and to knock. And when you think of it, it's the petition kind of part of the prayer that gets us asking all these very difficult and complex questions about prayer. And, and does God really answer our prayers? Are there times when he doesn't answer? Is it an answer when he seemingly doesn't answer? Why does he answer some prayers and not another? Or does he answer every prayer? You see, if we were just praying prayers of worship and adoration, we wouldn't have all the questions. It would just be so simple. But all the, answer, the, the questions that we can't answer are basically the prayers of petition, and we, we can't answer some of them this side of heaven. But Jesus invited us to petition the Father. He said, go ahead and ask. Go ahead and ask. In fact, please ask. The Father loves it, when you come before him and you ask. 
Jesus said, come to the Father in childlike faith. He's our Father. So you can come to him because he's our Father. Would he give you a stone if you asked for bread? No. Would he give you a snake if you requested fish? No. You see, our Father is Abba, Daddy, and he loves you, and he wants the best for you. Therefore, you can ask. The common question is this. It doesn't really make sense to ask God for the things that I need because he's God. He already knows. He knows everything about me. So how does that work? Why would I even ask him? Because he knows. Well, we don't mind when our kids come to us and they ask for something even though we already know what they're thinking. We've been around the block. We, we, we can read them. But we love for our kids to come and talk about it. And there's something about it in the very asking. The relationship is deepened just the way they say, Mom, Dad, I have an idea, Dad. Could you, Mom? And sometimes just their voice. Oh, yeah, I could do that. I'll stop everything and do that. Oh, yeah, we can work that out. Thank you for asking. It's the voice. It's the relationship. P.T. Forsyth put it this way. I love this. Love loves to be told what it knows already. Isn't that great? Isn't that true? Love loves to be told what it knows already. It wants to be asked for what it longs to give. There's something in the process of the asking that's important to the Father. It's not a standoffish, well, you know what I need, God. Well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through all the rigmarole and tell you, after all, you're God, so why should I ask you? Just do it. No, 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 no. It's more like we get to talk. It's more like we get to interact. Father, thank you always for being so very good to me. And I know that you know my need, but I bring it again because I, I know I can. And, and I know that you, you have me, Father. You have me. You have me in your arms. And, Father, here's my need. Could I ask you to step into my situation? Just handle it for me. Just give me the wisdom. Let your kingdom come in all of this. I know you can work this out, Lord, and I, I know you're my Father. So I, I just i am glad to give it to you. Don't stop praying, but always remember that our God is bigger, and he sees the big picture more than we do. So we trust him for his wisdom and for his working. And in the process, know that he's your father. And he just loves it when you come, and he loves it when he sees your heart. And he he loves it when you unburden your, your heart, and he sees your pain, and he's there. Why? Because he's your father. He's your father. And that's how Jesus said you should start to pray. You should start to pray the the Lord's Prayer that way. You need a starting point. And the beginning point is Father. Father. He said pray like this. Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven. Isn't that a great word? Father. Just start right there. Start there by saying Father. You can only start there, of course, because of Jesus. When you know the Son, then you also know the Father. In the Old Testament, God is not commonly referred to as Father. But in the New Testament, some 275 times or more, we're told either directly or indirectly that when we come to God, the God who made heaven and earth, that we could actually call him Father. Wozers, he is Father. He is Abba. Isn't that awesome? 
few years ago, the world's most complicated clock was displayed for the first time in the town hall in Copenhagen, Denmark. It took 40 years to build that clock and a million dollars. The clock was accurate to two-fifths of a second every 300 years. The ten faces of the clock uh, display the day of the week, the time of the day, the week of the month, the month of the year, the year of the century, and it has tracked the movement of planets and suns for 2,500 years. There, they are, there are parts in that clock that will not move for 2,500 years. Somebody said something disturbing about the clock in jest, that it was not accurate. Yes, it loses two-fifths of a second every 300 years. In reality, it is very, very accurate. That clock is so accurate that every clock on Earth is measured against it. 300 years ago, the deists looked up at the universe, and they were overwhelmed by what they saw. They were so in awe of the mechanism, they lost the God who put it all together. Deists believe in a remote sort of clockmaker God who kind of created the universe, they kind of started it up and then kind of moved out in absentia. No longer was involved in the creation. One of the early presidents, Thomas Jefferson, was a deist. He was inspired by creation. He thought it was so awesome that someone could make that, but, but he couldn't bring himself to see the creator as father. They never captured what God wanted them to know through the creation, that he would be their father and he would have a relationship with them. So Jesus says that in prayer, the words that should come easily and quickly to our lips is, Father. Because he is the creator, he's the one that you can know when you look at heaven, but you can know him as father. So when you start with father, then it's easy to go to petition. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So that's the petition part of the Lord's Prayer. And it comes in three parts. First of all, it's a petition for daily provision. Give us today the food we need. First of all, we can petition our Father for our daily needs. We can ask him to provide for us. We're invited into the kitchen. And he gives permission to put in a request for what we need. Of course, when we're talking kitchens and food, there are lots of stories. Different customs. I mean, a good burp in some countries is simply a sign that the food was good. I just want to tell you that. Let me just burp. I love the, the story of the man with nine sons. The rule of his kitchen was very simple. Dad gets the last piece of chicken. Uh, if he didn't want it, then the fastest fork wins. One night as all ten eyed the, last, the final piece on the, on the plate, a thunderstorm ca caused an electrical blackout. So the room went dark. There was a scream in the dark and when the lights returned, the dad's hand was on the chicken platter with nine forks in it. <laughs> I remember those days. My, my mom uh, made the best 
country fried chicken. And uh, it was my favorite growing up. And there never was a piece left. Uh, our forks were, were always ready uh, if no one wanted that last piece. He's talking about the basic necessities of life. If Jesus would have been in some parts of the world today, maybe he would have phrased it, give us this day our bowl of rice. I think that should be there, Isaiah. There it is. Perhaps if in Scotland he would have said, give us this day our haggis. <laughs> or if in Ghana, maybe Jesus would have said, give us our daily shishinga. And that's what that looks like. God invites us into the kitchen of his heart and says, you can ask for your daily needs. Oh, you see, it's not demanding. It's not demanding. Remember how we started? Father. It's Father. It's not who gets the fork in the fastest. It's all about the Father. The purpose of prayer is not to change God, but to change us. And when we come to the kitchen of our home with God, we're changed people. We're saying, Father, here's my needs. Here's what I bring to you today. You are my Father. Here's what I think I need, but I'll just tell you, and I'll wait for you to respond with what is best. And maybe, Father, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I think I know what I need, but I really don't. So just move the pieces around so I receive what you want me to receive. And I'm okay with that. Can you pray it that way? Oh, sure, it's different when he's father. When we're praying to someone who's not father, we'll probably try to get all we can and then just run. But when we come to the father, it's different. He says we can ask for our daily bread. The term means our physical needs. Martin Luther defined bread as uh, everything necessary for the preservation of, li of this life, including family, uh, uh, food, a healthy body, house, and home. We can talk to God about the necessities of life. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, do you, have you noticed this? And if we live in Canada, we have. He might decide to give us the luxuries of life. He might decide to give us the luxuries of life. If he does, great. But then you have a bigger responsibility as a steward. That's all. That's all. The writer to the Hebrews says, May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. Maybe we even have trouble relating to the way Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Because our refrigerators are full. Our freezers are overflowing. Our pantries are all stocked up. Most of us are asking for self-control more than please provide for us. And can I come back to this again? What if your plate is running over? He simply wants you to acknowledge it and steward it well. What if your plate is running over? He simply wants you to acknowledge it and steward it well. Is God bringing out one course after another for you? More food, more promotions, more privileges, more friendships, more grace, more joy? 
Kind of reminds you of Psalm 23, where the psalmist talks about serving this six-course dinner. Blessed in abundance. Blessed in abundance. But may I say, it may not always be that way. There are times when the abundance is lacking. What then? Then we have to eat our broccoli. And our portion is adversity and struggle. And that's real too. That's the part of the desert. That's the season of the desert. And we never know when. A father is, tells a great story of talking to his young daughters. He puts before them three plates. One had fruit on the plate. The other plate had veggies on it. And the third plate had some Oreo cookies. He said, what kind of plate do you most enjoy? Ah, no brainer. Naturally, they choose the cookies. Well, of course. If we have options, we want the cookies. Sometimes we have cookie days, and that's great. And last night at the Winter Delight, we had lots of cookies. I think some of them are here this morning. But sometimes our plates have nothing but veggies. And maybe this is the time when God knows that you need your strength. You need veggies. You have to have a strong body and a strong heart. But we may think, well, that's not fair. He didn't give us cookies. But in fact, he wants us to know that he's making us strong. He's Father, and he knows best. But often our days have a little of everything. Vegetables, they're very healthy, but not all that exciting. Fruit, which tastes better, and we enjoy fruit. And sometimes Oreo cookies, which does little for our nutrition, but a lot for our attitude. It's a treat. It's a treat. And God our Father is gracious. And sometimes we get them all. If you're only getting broccoli these days, just say, Father. Father, I know you love me. I know you're looking after me. I know you've got the best for me. If you're getting broccoli more than you're getting chocolate cake, you can go to the Father. Just like Jesus did, and you can say, but not as I will, but as you will. Lord, I would like something different here. This is hard, but I know you're my Father, and I know you love me, and I know you care for me, so thanks for being my Father and walking with me. So the first part of the prayer is petition, and it's a request for our daily bread. The second part is our petition for pardon. And here's the petition. Here's what you can say to the Father. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Verse 12. That's part of our petitionary prayer. And it's a request for a pardon. St. Augustine used to call this the terrible petition. For it's not just forgive us our sins, but forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. You see, the Lord puts a connector piece in this prayer of petition. There is a connector piece between the, the way I'm willing to forgive others and the forgiveness that I ask of the Father in heaven. There's a connectedness there. I have to say, oh, Father, I'm not sure I like that one. You mean I just can't come to you and say, forgive my sins? But this guy over here has offended me. He's offended me. I'm so well put together and so righteous that it's unthinkable that I would extend forgiveness to him. How dare they? Oh. Why 
did our Lord link these two together? Forgiveness from God and my willingness to forgive others. What if I were to pray, Lord, deal with me as I have dealt with others? He has offended me. He has hurt me so much. And Lord, I'm just tired of it. And I'm not putting up with it. And Lord, deal with me as I deal with him. Oh, well, I'm not sure I want to pray that. I'm not sure I want to pray that. Jesus was helping us learn how important it is to find forgiveness in the human family. He knew that if we didn't forgive one another, there would be such a high cost to pay. Dale Carnegie talks about a visit to Yellowstone Park where he saw a grizzly bear. Mark and I saw a grizzly bear this summer too. We got within uh, proximity to take a good shot at him, but we, we stayed our distance at the same time. Carnegie says this huge animal was in the center of a clearing feeding on some discarded camp food. For several minutes, he feasted alone. No other creature dared draw near. After a few moments, a skunk walked through the meadows toward the food, and he took his place next to the grizzly. The bear didn't object, and Carnegie knew why. The grizzly knew the high cost of getting even. There's a price to pay. Jesus said, when you come and you ask the Father for forgiveness, you can do that. And just as soon as you do that, you'll see the picture. Oh, then I need to extend forgiveness too. And he knew the implication of our lack of forgiveness. He knew we'd pay a high price relationally if we didn't forgive. And we see it today in the world. Look at the high price of racism. Look at the high price of greed. Look at the high price of grudges in generations uh, through the years in tribes and in countries and hatred and venom that gets spewed and the conflict is as old as the hills and it never gets solved. He knew we would pay a high price physically. It's hard on our bodies. It's hard on our emotions. Resentment does a number on our health. If you're out to settle the score, you'll never rest. As much as you think you deserve an apology, your debtor may not agree. The racist may never repent. You may never get any satisfaction. And if you do, will it be enough? It takes a huge toll on us physically. Oh, and the most compelling reason to forgive as we are forgiven is the high price we pay spiritually if we don't. Now, we have to be really careful with this verse and not imply that we earn our forgiveness by offering forgiveness to others because you know where that takes you. That would, that would take you right into the category of good works. But we are forgiven by the merit of Jesus. We're forgiven by, by what he's done for us. So this prayer is for followers of Jesus. Why do we need to pray, Father, forgive our debts, forgive our sins? Because sometimes we fail our Father. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we fall short. And the Father wants to clean that up. So coming to the Father and confessing our sin and asking for forgiveness opens up the pipeline again. And there's that free flow of grace and mercy and the intimacy of our relationship with the Father. When we admit sin, we're like a first grader. 
standing before the teacher with a messy paper saying, I colored outside the lines too many times. Could I start over again? Could I have a clean sheet? And of course, the teacher says, of course you can. You can start over again. I mean, teachers, they're wonderful people. They would give a second and third chance, yeah. Maybe the only reason a teacher wouldn't give a clean sheet would be because the teacher saw the student mistreating another student. Maybe then they would say, well, when you treat your fellow student right, I'll give you a new sheet. I mean, you're still my student, and I'm still your teacher, and now I'm giving you a chance to learn a lesson. So we can pray for our sins to be forgiven. But when we do, the Lord will graciously remind us of any outstanding issues that we need to deal with. We need to offer forgiveness. And he says, I'm giving you a chance to learn a lesson. I would love to forgive you, and I would love to have you forgive that individual. Then the third petition is for protection. It goes this way, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Remember the way we learned to say that? Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. And that doesn't quite register with us. I mean, would God ever lead us into temptation? And so that verse has troubled a lot of people through the ages, even theologians. But children get it. I mean, this is a prayer for the childlike heart. Just imagine a father and a son walking down an icy straight street. And the father cautions the son to be careful because the street's really icy today. The sidewalk is really icy. But the boy is too excited to slow down and he hits the first patch of ice and up the feet go and down comes the bum and, and dad comes along and helps him back up to his feet. And the boy says, Dad, I'm sorry. I didn't listen. I didn't listen. And then tightly holding his father's big hand, he says, keep me from the slippery spots. Don't let me fall again. And the father is so willing to comply. So this is the tender request of a child to a father. It's our request to our Abba Father. Keep me from the slippery spots. Abba, keep me from evil. It's not that God tempts us, but it's fair to say that he doesn't always stop the temptations. And by the way, temptations might be translated trials and tests. Same word. Keep us from the trials and the tests. I mean, but they will come. And often tests and trials make us stronger. But we ask the Lord for protection when those trials or temptations come our way. In the old Anglican prayer book, it says, uh, From sin, from the crafts and assaults of the devil, from all blindness of heart, from pride, vainglory, and hypocrisy, from envy, hatred, and malice, and it goes on and on, from all the deceits of the world and the flesh and the devil, from hardness of heart and contempt of thy word, Lord, deliver us. The Anglican prayer book. In other words, rescue us from the evil one. This is to recognize that the enemy of our souls would destroy us if he could. 
And what he wants to do is to separate us from God. He would love to convince us that our father is not a good, good father. Oh, if he could only get that into the minds of people that our father is not a good, good father, then he'd be the winner. The enemy wants to convince us that our little kingdoms matter, that our names need to be established, that he won't provide for us our daily bread. And he wants to kill and he wants to destroy. So Jesus said, when you pray, pray, Father, rescue us from the evil one. So when we pray to the Father that we will be delivered from, from the temptations and the tests and the trials, what we're really praying is, Lord, I've got the inclination to sin. I have it. Keep me from the opportunity. Keep me from the inclination. And behind the temptation is the evil one. And his plans are not good. So rescue me from the evil one. So a petition for provision, a petition for pardon, and a petition for protection. You know the best thing about this petition? It all boils down to one word. It boils down to a relationship with Abba, our Father. It's not a cold, impersonal request on behalf of ourselves. Lord, I need this, I need this, I need this. It's Father, Father. Father, here I am. I love you. I know you love me. I know you know my needs. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for wanting the best for my life. It all comes down to one word. The prayer of petition is Father. And because you know the him as your father, he invites you to come every moment, anytime. He's listening. He's there. Let's stand together as we pray. The joy of our lives is to call you father. Oh, father, you're such a good, good father. A wonderful daddy, Abba. It's who you are. Full of grace, full of love, full of generosity, full of forgiveness. We thank you for the privilege of coming before you anytime, 24-7. You're always there, and you just love it when we come. So thank you for reminding us today that you're not distant, that you've never moved away, that you always welcome us into your home into the kitchen. Lord, that you provide so bountifully for us. Thank you for that. Thank you for forgiving our sins. And thank you for being our fortress, our, our solid rock in the time of storm. Thank you for being our defender against the enemy. We love you, Father. Thank you for your provision. In Jesus' name.